welcome to the Why We Worship podcast. I am your host, Amber Patrick, and today we are going to be discussing Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. I'm going to attempt to be somewhat brief, but there's so much that can go into these chapters. There's so much that can be discussed just from the book of Hebrews alone is is something that there's so much to be discussed, so much to be talked about. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 is probably my personal favorite chapter of this book um, because it's all about faith. It's about, you know, the the people that went before us in faith, the people that were here before Christ that died in faith and and everything. So we're definitely going to be talking about that, talking about Hebrews 12 and all of that good stuff. I am going to apologize in advance for my chair. I know it's really squeaky, so I'm sorry. <laughs> But without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So if you have your Bibles, we will be starting in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. If you have the same Bible as me, I'm on page 1158. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and this is the New King James Version. It says, now faith is. So let's just stop right there. There's so much to talk about just in that one verse. But it says, now faith is is faith is now faith is for the present faith is not something for your past or something for your future faith is not something that will be or that was faith is faith is an active thing it is how we live it is how we do everything but it is present it is for the present you believe now you receive now now faith is So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So substance of things hoped for. Basically, my favorite way that I've heard this described is that we hope for things, right? Like if you, um, you know, like, for instance, if you're believing for God for a car or for a house or any of those things, you have hope for a house. You hope for a house. But when you take the word of God, you take substance and you apply it to your hope, it becomes faith. It becomes present. That's when you start believing and you start acting on that belief. That's why it's so important that when there are things that you desire, whether it's healing, whether it's salvation for a loved one, whether it's a house or or whatever it may be, you have to find in the word of God where the word of God backs up what you're desiring. If it's a house, There are scriptures in there that talks about when the Lord will give you houses, he'll give you land, you know, he'll give you, he'll give you all those things. And you find those scriptures and you stand on them. That is the substance that will see the things that you hope for come to pass. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not something that you have and something that you can see. It's actually the proof of the things that you can't see. It's evidence for things that you can't see. I can't see Jesus. I can't see, or well, I can't, I can't see necessarily the things that I hope for. If I'm believing God for a house, that means that I don't see that house yet in the natural, but all I need to believe that I have it is faith. Faith is the evidence that I do have that house because I have the word of God that backs me up and that's all I need. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse two, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony or a good report. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So basically we understand that the world was framed by the words of God by faith. We don't have any other way of of knowing that that happened other than by faith, other than 
than faith that this is how things happen. And the things that we see now weren't made of things that were already there. They were made by the words of God. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. So we'll see this a lot, especially with Abraham and other things like that. But Abel was uh, obtained good witness, and he was considered righteous because of his faith. He gave a better gift than Abel, uh, than Cain because of his faith, his faith in God. The, your faith has to be the foundation of everything that you do. And we'll get into that in just a couple of verses. So I'm going to keep going. So verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So in this verse, we see that if Enoch didn't have faith, he never would have been, you know, taken by God. Never, you know, he would have died like, like anybody else. But not only that, but if you don't have faith, it is impossible, absolutely impossible to please God. Because... <laughs> Because if you come to God, you have to believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he'll say, what he says he'll do, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, that he's everything that he said. You have to believe that God is who he says he is, that he's not a liar. <laughs> you have to have faith in order to be to please God. Um, verse seven. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Again, we see righteousness according to faith. Noah was made righteous, was, was seen as righteous, was became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Um, and I'm, I know I'm not spending a whole lot of time on every single verse, but that's because I want to try to get through the whole chapter. <laughs> so picking up in verse eight, um, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So let's let's stop for a minute. Let's talk about Abraham, because we know that Abraham is, is the father. Um, <laughs> Abraham, there's so much that can be said about Abraham, but... You know, he's the father of many nations. It's, it's through him that, you know, we actually receive the blessing of Abraham through Jesus. And, you know, and, and we could just go on and on. But but let's take a moment to talk about Abraham, to talk about what he did. So he left everything that he knew behind to follow God to, to this place that, you know, wasn't he actually never saw the fulfillment of the promised land. He never saw the fulfillment of those things, but he refused. Like, um, I'm actually going to flip over to Romans 4 really quick. This is some of my favorite scripture in Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> so 
So Romans chapter four, um, starting in, uh, let's see. Okay. So Romans chapter four, we're going to start in verse, verse 13. Uh, it says, for the promise that he, Abraham, would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of, of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, or as God promised Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And then Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that he who had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him, for righteousness. So right there we see that Abraham, you know, he he did not waver. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He refused to consider circumstances um to consider circumstances as as though they were factors in what God promised. If God prom God promised that he would make Abraham the father of many nations, despite the fact that he was a hundred years old, that Sarah's womb was dead, <laughs> he chose to believe God, that God would give him a son, not only a son, but would make him the father of many nations. And you know what happened is he saw that come to pass when it was impossible for it to come to pass. And because Abraham chose to believe God, he, it was accounted to him for righteousness and through Abraham's seed did he become the father of us all. We are all children of Abraham, heirs according to that promise. And, and you know, and so we see that there was nothing special about Abraham. There's nothing really different from any of these people that we're going to talk about in Hebrews 11 that separates them from us other than the fact that they chose to have faith in God. And that's what separated them from the rest. That's what got them documented in this book, in the Bible. That's why we read about them, because they believed God. They believed God. That's all it took. God isn't looking for somebody with who's stronger than the rest, who's smarter than the rest. God actually, the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chooses the foolish. God chooses the weak. He choose, he, God is actively looking for people that will do nothing more than believe in him. Than, that, than believe that he is who he says he is and what he has promised he is able to perform. God's looking for people like Abraham, like Noah, like, like all of these other people that we read about that are in this book, that are in this chapter, not because of some great accomplishment that they did, but something that God was able to do through them because they believed. 
because they believed, God was able to do the impossible through them. Because they believed, we read about them still today. Their stories still impact us today. Things happen today because they chose to believe. So going back to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse 11. So it says, by faith, Sarah herself, Abraham's wife, also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So I want to stop right there and talk about that, too. You know, women who are married to wonderful, great men of faith who are in the ministry, you know, whatever it may be, or women, you know, women, you're your faith is just as important. You're just as important. You know, we see here that Sarah is documented in this chapter as well, because she also chose to consider God who promised faithful. That's how she was able to conceive. That's, that's how she was able to bear a son in old age, well past when she should have been able to. We see again that we read in Romans 4 that her womb was as good as dead. And yet here she is in here. She, bear, she bore a son. She gave birth to Isaac because she considered God faithful. And because of that, we still read about her. Faith is important. And you can't rely on your husband's faith to get you where you need to go. And you know what? One day I will, I feel like I say this every, um, every session, but I do fully plan on talking about uh, faith, specifically, you know, women of faith and, and how important it is as a woman to have faith, because the Bible isn't, you know, isn't exclusive to men. It's not, you know, like there's an important role that men play, you know, husbands are the head of the households and everything like that. But there's also an important role that women play, especially in marriage. You know, our job is as wives isn't just to sit there and and do nothing, you know? It's important that that we have faith, that we have our own relationship with God because when you stand before God at the end of the day, you're not going to stand there with your husband. You're going to be held accountable. God's called you to great things too. He hasn't just called your husband. He hasn't just called your children. He's called you to great things. What has God specifically called you to do? And if you're not married yet, you need to make sure that you know what God's called you to do because you don't need to marry somebody that's going to take you off track from what God has called you to do. If God has called you into ministry, don't marry somebody that isn't going to that is going to make that difficult for you to do what God's called you to do. Whatever God's called you to do. If God's called you to be a mother, don't marry somebody that doesn't want kids. <laughs> you have to know. You have to have your own personal relationship with God. You have to have faith in God. You have to be that person first. And then get married. Then, then you know, start dating or, or whatever it may be. But you have to know who you are in Christ first. Your relationship with God is more important than anything else in this world especially a husband. Your relationship with God has to come before everything. So don't, I, I know, because I, I was there, you know, I know so many women that were there that want to get married. You know, that's the desire of their heart. That's the, that's the thing that they want most in life, but they don't even know what they're called to do. They aren't even secure in their own relationship with God. And you have to have that first then everything else will fall into place. But I'm getting off topic. <laughs> I will definitely come back to that.
in another podcast episode. But I'm just going to go back to verse 11 again and just reread that. So by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And if you're not sure who verse 12 is talking about, it's talking about Abraham. Abraham, a man whose body was as good as dead, who shouldn't have been able to have one son, let alone <laughs> start this lineage that's in in as innumerable as the sand in the seashore. That's that's, that's in multitude as the stars in the sky. But yet that's what happened to him because he chose to believe God. When you believe God, what's impossible becomes possible. When you believe God, things that were once dead will come back to life. When you believe God, there is nothing that can't happen for you. Whatever it is, if you want a house, if you want 10 houses, if you want, you know, whatever it is, if you choose to believe God, and put your faith in God, even if you've been diagnosed with an incurable disease, even if you, have, you haven't you have been able to walk in 20 and 30 years, if you haven't been able to see your entire life, whatever it may be, if you believe God and put your faith in God, that God can do the impossible, that God can and will and wants to and has already done what needs to happen to heal you, then who's to stop you? from receiving all that heaven has for you, from receiving that provision, from receiving that healing, from receiving whatever it may be, God is able. And not only is he able, he is willing and actively looking for people to believe in him. And that's what we see in this verse, in these verses, in this chapter, is that God is looking for people, not that are mighty, not that are strong, not that are smart, but people that will believe in him. So going on, uh, verse 13, all of these people, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. (sighs) So, so every single one of these people that we talked about, they all died in faith, not having received the fullness of the promise. And I'm going to jump ahead of myself just a little bit, but it even says that God wouldn't let them reach perfection without us. God loved these people, but how much does he also love you? Um, you know, and, and it, I really want to take a moment to talk about the uh, verse 15. If they called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. You have to get to a place in your life where you decide that you can't go back to what you used to know. No. If Abraham would have considered, would have thought about, you know, where he came from, his father's house, if he would have thought about how good he had it there or whatever it may be, he may have very well returned. You know, we see that happen a lot in the Old Testament with with the Israelites. They're constantly like, oh, if you would have just left us in Egypt, you know, let let us go back to Egypt. We had it so much better there. At least there, you know, we weren't out in the wilderness dying and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's like, if you continue to look at what you used to have, 
you completely miss the fact that every day God is raining manna from heaven to feed you, that you haven't gone without, that God is taking you into a place that's so much greater than anything you could have ever had. You have to keep your eyes on the promise of God and do not look back at the things that you used to have and those old comforts. You can't. You have to move forward. Don't consider what you used to have, but consider where God is taking you and consider that so much greater than anything you could have ever returned to. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Sorry, I almost started crying right there, but so God's not ashamed to be called their God not because of what they did, but because of what they believed. Because they chose to believe in God, to act on the promises of God, to go where he said to go. God isn't ashamed to call their God. And he's prepared a city for them, just as he's prepared a city for us. And and not only that, but we have the opportunity to not only be called you know, to not only call God our God, but to call him our father. We've been given that great opportunity because of Jesus. All of these people died before Jesus ever came. What a great opportunity we have to have the Holy Ghost, to be able to call God our father, to have a relationship, an intimate relationship with God so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. God is a good God. He is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he'll do. He's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. And if he's spoken, it will come to pass. That's the God that we serve. And the only requirement that we have to see the promises of God come to pass is to simply believe in him. That's it. Wouldn't it be awesome to know Isn't it awesome to know that when we choose to believe God, not only are we counted righteous, but God isn't ashamed to be called our God, has prepared a city for us. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, back to Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Um, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So let's talk about that for a minute. So um, if you aren't aware of the story, Isaac is the child that Abraham and Sarah had in their old age, well past Sarah, the deadness of Sarah's womb and everything else. Isaac is the child of promise. It's the child that through him would Abraham's lineage come of the Jews. And there's a time when God told Abraham to go to sacrifice his only son, the son that he loves to him. And they get to, and Abraham knew the entire time when God told him this, Abraham knew that It wasn't going to be through, like Sarah wasn't going to get pregnant again. Like the promise was going to come through Isaac. The fulfillment of the promise, the lineage that was supposed to come through Abraham was going to come through Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. And if you read, when they go to the mountain that God told him to go to, to worship, to sacrifice his son, 
He tells the people, you know, you guys stay here. The lad and I will go up and worship and we will return. Just his statement there shows that, you know, he didn't know that God was going to, wasn't going to let him, you know, that God was going to provide a ram for the sacrifice instead. Because he didn't, Abraham did not sacrifice Isaac, by the way. (laughs) He, uh, when he goes to do it, an angel stops him. And then there's a ram and a ram that they end up, that they sacrifice instead. But he knew what all, all Abraham knew was that one, God told him to do this and he loved God so much that he was going to because he believed God, but two, that the promise was coming through Isaac. So if he ended up sacrificing Isaac, Abraham knew that God was able to bring Isaac back from the dead. And that was that. He knew that Isaac was his son of promise, was the child of promise, and he didn't care what it looked like in the natural, that it made absolutely no sense. He knew what God had promised. So when he said, we will come back, he knew that even if he killed Isaac, God would bring him back from the dead and they would come back. And we see that now, concluding that God, verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which Abraham received Isaac in a figurative sense. Because if you think about it, and we've said it multiple times, I, Abraham and Sarah were, where, were well past the age where they could have children. So in a sense, Abraham and Sarah received Isaac from the dead because Sarah's womb was dead. Abraham was well past, you know, they were well past the age of having children and yet they still had Isaac because God promised him. So that's the kind of faith that Abraham had where he believed that if God asked him for his only son, that God would still fulfill the promise through that son, even if it meant dying him dying and coming back to and god bringing him back to life he knew he's like no this that's how much faith he had in god verse 20 by faith isaac blessed jacob and esau concerning things to come jacob and esau were the sons of isaac that came later on and then jacob is actually in the bible jacob was actually renamed israel and he had a lot of children but jacob's 12 sons became the 12 tribes of israel Um, so, so going back, so we have Abraham, Abraham's son is Isaac, Isaac's son, Jacob, and then through Jacob. So those are the three patriarchs. And then, uh, and then Jacob is the father of Joseph, which maybe we'll talk about another day, but he will be mentioned here. So by faith, Isaac, this is verse 20 again, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention. By faith, sorry, I lost my place. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. So let's take a moment, let's talk about Moses, because I want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this that maybe isn't familiar with the stories in the Old Testament, that you at least get a little bit of understanding, because all of the people that we've talked about are all people from the Old Testament. So Moses is a very, very important figure in the Old Testament. He is the one who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, He's the one who uh, the Israelites, we eventually went into captivity after Joseph 
They went into captivity. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Moses is the one who brought, who God used to bring them out. When Moses was born, uh, the, the Pharaoh issued a command that basically all of the Israelite boys, two and under, I think, were to, were to die, were to be executed. But by faith, Moses' parents weren't afraid of the commandment of the king and chose to hide Moses instead. So what happened is basically, long story short, instead of dying like he was supposed to, Moses ended up in Pharaoh's palace being raised by the Egyptians. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he would he who destroyed the firstborn would touch them. And by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So in those verses, verses 23 through 29, we read about Moses. We read about the faith that he had. You know, he was the one who, by faith, he stood before Pharaoh after he was raised in Pharaoh's house by Pharaoh's daughter. But he chose instead of, instead of enjoying the riches of the Egyptians, he instead chose to still be considered a Hebrew, basically, to still have faith in God and and take and and esteem the repro reproach of Christ, verse 26, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He chose, he believed that the sufferings of Christ is so much greater than the any treasure that Egypt had to offer him. He looked to the reward. He looked to the promise of God. He looked to the things that God had promised Abraham, that God had promised him, that God had promised the children of Israel. So by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses stood up before the king and he demanded that he let the children of Israel go. You know, a lot of us know how that story goes. I don't want to really spend a whole lot of time on it because I've already spent so much time just on chapter 11 alone. <laughs> but by faith, Moses and the children of Israel, they went through the Red Sea. They passed it as if they were on dry land. And that same, and then right after them, the Egyptians drowned. But God rescued them out of Israel, out of Egypt. You know, he, God saved them. God brought them out. And God used Moses to lead them because of Moses' faith. It was by faith that Moses was able to do these things. Not because it was in his ability or his power or his might, but it was because of the God that he chose to believe in. So going on, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Um, I won't spend a whole lot of time on that, but the story of the walls of Jericho falling down is uh, found in the book of Joshua. After uh, Moses died, 
Joshua led the children of Israel basically into this massive, like it was, it's just awesome. I love the book of Joshua, but it, it's just victory after victory after victory for the children of Israel as they take the promised land that, or the land that God had promised them. And any, anyone who stood in their way was basically completely destroyed. Um, Rahab was a prostitute who lived Oh gosh, I believe it was in Jericho where Rahab lived. And when the Israelite spies came to spy out the land, she hid them. And she said, you know, I know, like I know of the stories. I know of the God that goes before you. I know that God has given you this land. And and basically she made a deal with the Israelites that, you know, that she and her household would be saved. Like they wouldn't be completely destroyed like the rest of the people in the city. And because of her faith, in God and knowing that God gave the Israelites this land, then choosing to hide the spies instead of trying to fight them or giving them away in hopes that their land would be saved. She was saved. And I, and, and we hear about her still to this day. So Rahab wasn't an Israelite. Rahab was, she, she basically was considered one afterwards, but Rahab wasn't an Israelite. But she chose to believe God. And because of that, we read about her in Hebrews 11. Because of that, she and her household were saved. And not only that, but I believe that she's like, um, she she is connected to David, the lineage of David, who many of us know about. But that's he's a very prominent, very important figure in the Bible as well. Uh, going on verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson. And, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection." Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So all of these people, these people, these women who received their dead back to life, these these people that subdued kingdoms, that worked righteousness, that obtained promise, that stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, and all of these other things that were made righteous because of their faith, that obtained a good report because of their faith didn't receive the fullness of the promise because God didn't want, would not allow them to attain perfection, which without us, the world wasn't worthy of these great people. The world wasn't worthy of Samson. They weren't worthy of David. They weren't worthy of Abraham, of all of these people. They were amazing, amazing people who just believed God. And because they believed God, they did amazing things. 
but God, keeping us in mind the entire time, wouldn't let them receive perfection without us. How much God must love us to have to have waited for the perfect time for Christ to come, for Christ to die, for everything to happen, just so we could be a part of it too. So that's all that I'm going to talk about for Hebrews 11, mainly because it's gone on <laughs> a long time. And I do want to hit Hebrews 12, at least a little bit. Um, so we're going to just jump right into Hebrews 12, um, starting in verse 1. I may not go through the whole chapter, but I am going to talk about at least the first couple of verses. So verse Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's talk about those verses. And I think after that, I'm going to wrap it up just because I've already gone over half an hour for this. And I kind of want to try to keep things <laughs> in that time frame. But you know, what happens, happens. But I want to talk about those. So when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in chapters. Hebrews 11 was not separated from Hebrews 12 when it was originally written. That great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us is all of the people that we just read about in Hebrews 11. It's all of the people that went before us that obtained a good report. They're now looking over the banisters of heaven, looking, looking, onto, looking at us as we run our race now. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. But if you need proof that that's who we're talking about, you can look at the first word of the first verse in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, if therefore is there in the Bible, you need to read a couple of verses ahead of the before that to figure out what the therefore is there for. Um, but therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all of the people that went before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. You need to lay aside everything that is holding you back. We talked about it already. But you can't look back at what you used to have. What you used to know. You need to let go of anything that's holding you back. Of anything that's preventing you from running this race. Of anything that's keeping you from the promises of God. Whether it's worry. Whether it's fear. Whether it's your hometown. Whether it's a job, whatever it may be that you need to get rid of, get out of your life. So you, relationships, whatever it may be, you need to let go of everything that's keeping you from the promises of God and run with everything in you. Run with endurance because it isn't a sprint. It is a marathon. It's a race that you run for the rest of your life. <laughs> so run with endurance, the race that's set before you. And you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
Jesus is the one that we look toward to remind us of how good he is, of all that he's promised us. It's like the energy that we need to continue to run is reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us. And it's like that boost that keeps us going. It's the solid foundation. It's the rock that we stand. It's everything that we need. It's everything we'll ever need. Jesus already provided it in himself. So when we run, we let go of everything that holds us back and we keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on the man who gave it, the man, the God who gave his life for us. But not only that, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, but when Jesus was on the earth for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he's now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before Jesus wasn't Jesus himself. We look to Jesus for our race. But when Jesus was going to the cross, he looked to the joy that was set before him. And for him, that was us. We are the joy that was set before Jesus. We're the reason he went to the cross. We're the reason he endured it all. We're the reason that he came, that he gave up his glory in heaven for us. That's how much he loves us. We are the reason that he could endure, the, that he endured the cross, that he despised the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us while he's there, mind you. That is the Jesus that we have. That's the faith that we have. I really want to talk about just for a minute. Do you understand, everybody listening, do you understand how much God loves you? It's not something that you'd ever be able to fully grasp. But God, God Almighty, God who breathed out the stars, God who made heaven and earth just with his words, God who has been God for eternity past and eternity to come, <laughs> loves you so much that not only did he send Jesus to die for you, but all of these people that we talked about in Hebrews 11, everybody who came before us, he wouldn't let them receive the fullness of the promise, receive perfection without us. God loves you. God gave his son, his only son to die for you. So you could have the opportunity to live for him, to have a relationship with God himself, with a good God, with a loving God, with a God who has plans for you and a plan that's to prosper you, to not to harm you. It's a plan that to, get, to give you a hope and a future. God loves you. God will never hurt you. God will never forsake you. God will never abandon you. Whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever whatever pain you're holding on to now, whatever depression, Whatever depression, whatever anxiety, whatever whatever fear you may have, God is here for you. And you can let those things go. And he'll give you a good life. He'll give you a prosperous life. He'll give you a life that's more than anything you could have ever imagined. That's better than your best dreams. God can and does and will and will always do the impossible. God is a good God. 
and he can only be good. So if you're listening to this and you don't have a relationship with God, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're listening and maybe at one point you were saved, but then some storm in life came, whether it was bankruptcy, divorce, the loss of a loved one, the betrayal of a close friend, whatever it is, if something happened that knocked you off your feet and and you want to come back to Jesus. Or if you are saved, if you do have a relationship with Jesus, and you, but you're not sure, you're not 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven and that you are saved, then I want anyone who fits in any of those categories, whether you've never been saved and you want to be, whether you were once saved, but something happened and you want to rededicate your life, or whether you are saved, but you're not sure and you just want to make sure. If you fit into any of those categories, I just want you to pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe you've risen from the dead and you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. So if you prayed that prayer, then I want to tell you that all of your sins are forgiven. Remember to run to God, run to Jesus and don't run from him because he loves you and he has a great plan for your life. Um, So that's where we're going to wrap up the podcast this week. Uh, I do try to upload these episodes every Tuesday. I am very close to uh, having our second child. When that happens, I will, I or my husband will upload a really short episode just to let you guys know. Because when that happens, more than likely the upload schedule is going to change a little bit for at least a little while while we get used to having two precious little boys. Um, But, you know, for hopefully another week or two at least, (laughs) we will still have this schedule. Uh, But if you want to give, this is a part of Love and Unity Ministries. If you would like to give to Love and Unity Ministries to the Why We Worship podcast, you can do so by going to loveandunityministries.com slash give uh, through Cash App at cash tag L&U, cash tag, the little dollar sign L&U Ministries, uh, Venmo at sign L&U Ministries, PayPal, paypal.me slash L&U Ministries. All of those are available again at loveandunityministries.com slash give. If you receive salvation, if you said that prayer with me, then you can, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on our Facebook or our Instagram. You can also reach us by going to loveandunityministries.com slash contact or through email at contact at loveandunityministries. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you. If you have a testimony, a prayer request, whatever it may be, and especially if you just receive salvation, please reach out to us. Let us know. But with all of that being said, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I love you all, and I will see you next week.